and there was evening and morning the first day. And since last Sunday, we've lived a million days. Am I right? Perhaps no one says it better than Anad Giradas. This week has nothing and everything to say. But let's start with this. As Jackie modeled in her prayer, it is important for us as people of faith, as people who follow a liberating, peace-seeking, justice-oriented God, to declare that the insurrection, sedition in DC this week, carried out by overwhelmingly white nationalists and supremacists, grossly dishonors God and does not resemble any stretch of the imagination of what it means to follow Jesus. If we are not specific about this, then we could end up carrying a Bible and a cross as we scale the Capitol wall. So let's be specific that we are talking about a God who condemns white supremacy and any caste or system or person who believes or acts like they are superior to another who is made equally in God's divine image. It is important to name that though we are wildly angry and sad, we aren't surprised because we know there has been an unholy alliance between white supremacy and Christianity for some time and that our nation invests far more in protecting this white supremacy than in national security, democracy, or even decency. We know this is what America is and that it doesn't have to continue to be who she is. It's important to meet this moment with intentionality, with seriousness, with our faith, our rage, our questions, all of our beings or we succumb to it happening again. It's also important to name the ways that this week has made us feel. When the prophet Jeremiah heard the alarm of war, he writhed in pain. The walls of my heart are beating wildly, he said. I felt some of that on Wednesday, did you? and more each time another news clip comes out. When I read how John Lewis's portrait was stolen from Steny Hoyer's office, when I saw the officer's face crushed upon the glass, screaming for help, when I saw feet propped up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, when I saw the gallow, when I read about Chisholm Nebo, a 25-year-old black woman beaten by a Trump mob in LA. When I saw the Confederate flag hung outside the Museum of Jewish Heritage this week in New York City, my heart pounded and it continues to pound. My eyes are watery and itchy because I can't pull them away from updates. My throat is sore from anxiety. My stomach is in knots. It's been hard to sleep and hard to wake up. When I think about what is next, I feel like throwing up. How is your body? Where are you feeling this week? Where is your pain located? How are you noticing it, tending to it, or worse, ignoring it? 
Resma Menachem writes about racialized trauma and the pathway of mending our hearts and bodies. Make no mistake, our bodies have been traumatized this week. And the bodies of all people of color hold centuries of racialized trauma. Our souls have been wounded by something he calls white body supremacy. White people, we are also harmed by white body supremacy. We too are wounded. And we will only collectively begin to heal when white people begin to understand this. Tend to your wounds, they are real. Notice your body this week. Don't try to rush emotions or feelings or reflexes out of them. Notice it all and take care of yourselves, your bodies, your souls. The lectionary passage for this Sunday is the very first in our holy book. And today it has a word for us about how we might be faithful in this week that leaves nothing and everything to say. The book of Genesis is the foundation for the theology of work. Starting with this very first verse, we learn that God is a creating God, a working God. As God bearers, then each of us, we have to ask, what is our work? That sounds a little exhausting after this week, but it's not so overwhelming when we remember that our work is to simply, simply lean into our spiritual disciplines because they teach us how to be, how to respond, how to manage. Our souls have been wounded. Therefore, it is soul work we must do. If we're white, we should start with confession. Let's confess that we are never completely absolved from the way whiteness forms us. Thereby, we are complicit in the white-centric narratives, friends, and systems that got us to this place. Yes, even if we didn't vote for him. The moment we as white people think that our work is done is the most dangerous moment of all. Let us confess where we have fallen short, and we have, and let us continue to work. Repentance will also serve us well right now. In addition to whiteness, Christianity, namely white evangelism, played a leading role in setting the stage for Wednesday's atrocities. Pulpits across this country amplify messages that conflate Christianity and white supremacy, Christian nationalism, and anti-Semitism. James Cone reminds us that until we identify Christ with a re-crucified black body hanging from a lynching tree, there can be no genuine understanding of Christian identity in America. And in a quote often attributed to Sinclair Lewis, when fascism comes to this country, it will come draped in a flag and carrying a cross. Yes, let us confess and let us repent. And let us rely on the spiritual discipline of lamentation, of weeping, 
of feeling the trauma in our bodies. Cole Arthur Riley, the creator of the Black Liturgist, wisely says, our hope can only be as deep as our lament. We need radical hope, so we must radically lament. Let's cry every day, how long, O oh Lord, how long? Let us rely on the spiritual discipline of celebration. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Dance, as Wesley encouraged us to do on New Year's Eve. Sing, play, celebrate that the first Black and Jewish senators from Georgia were elected to the 117th Congress. Celebrate that a Black preacher formed by liberation theology who will care about the least of these is in the United States Senate. Celebrate the decades of work Black and women of color did to get us to this moment. Be intentional in our celebration because it was not accidental that on the same day Warnock won, on the same day the first Black Indian woman was to be officially voted vice president, the insurrection occurred. The trigger for white rage, Carol, Carol Anderson teaches, is Black advancement. Therefore, we must hold our celebration with our anger. In the face of systems designed to silence us and run us down, our celebration is resistance. Let us confess, repent, lament, celebrate, and let us do the sole work of rest. Never forget that Sabbath is etched into the very fabric of how we work from the beginning. When are you sleeping? When are you simply being? Your rest is also holy resistance. And let us organize. Oh, you didn't know organizing was a spiritual discipline? Trust me, it is. You just may know it by its more traditional words like meditation, service, learning, study, reading. It's organizing. And lots of folks have been doing it well for a long time. Some like Stacey Abrams and Martin Luther King Jr., C.T. Vivian and Emma Gonzalez. But also some like Franklin Graham and Mitch McConnell and the thousands of voices on Parler and QAnon even right now. So what does God-centered organizing look like? It looks like diving into our holy texts, where we'll see that Amos equates justice for the marginalized and exposing idolatry greater than pious religious displays. Organizing looks like reading the texts of our day too, like caste, white rage, my grandmother's hands, the fire next time, and so many more. It means signing up for anti-racism, bias, about abolitionist workshops. Shameless plug for Tuesday and next Sunday. Organizing means calling, emailing, texting, posting, marching to vote out every elected official who, in the face of sedition and homophobia, xenophobia, violence, and bigotry, still stands on the side of injustice. This is our work. It is also dreaming 
and imagining. Continuing to speak into existence that vision of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are most powerful when we tell the story of who we want to be. So that's the question I have for us today. Who do we want to be? In light of January 6th, in light of 2020, in light of humanity's entire existence, who do you want to be? The events of next month are out of our control. But who we want to be as individuals, as middle church, as a community, as a nation are not. In the first chapter of her book, Cast, Isabel Wilkerson describes one man in particular in a photograph of Nazis in Nazi Germany in 1936. In a sea of hundreds of men, all standing with their arms outstretched, giving the Heil salute to Hitler, there is one man, August Landmesser, who is standing arms folded across his chest, refusing to participate. He was on the right side of history. Despite pressures, despite the life and death consequences of what he was doing, he was on the side of justice. The children's book, Dr. Lee and the Crowned Wearing Virus, tells the story of Dr. Lee Winliang, the Chinese doctor who was the first to raise the alarm that a novel coronavirus was spreading in Wuhan, who, despite the Chinese government threatening to put him in jail, coming to his house in front of his children and forcing him to sign waivers of silence, continued to warn fellow humans of its dangers because he understood that when one of us is sick, we are all sick. He was on the right side of justice. You don't have to be in the middle of a big sea of people, a doctor at the outbreak of a pandemic, or in some other perceived special place to decide to be on the side of justice. Every moment of every single day, we get to answer that question. When we decide to put on a mask, speak up, when we hear something racist, correct our kids when they reflect harmful societal norms, invest in minority-owned companies, pray, attend a multi-ethnic community of faith that reclaims and reframes Christianity, we are deciding who we want to be and what kind of world we want. We are working. We are doing soul work. And this prophetic moral movement, ripe with revolutionary love and justice, is our absolute best 